Do you have something to say? Do you believe that everybody should be enabled, encouraged and empowered to tell their story? Speaking is power. As it's said, if you can speak well, you can influence. And if you can influence, you can change lives, your own and others. Welcome to the Let's Stand podcast, speaking up about speaking out. My name is Siobhan Fitzgerald and it's a pleasure to connect with you today. Sandra Zimmer is the author of the phenomenal book, It's Your Time to Shine, How to Overcome Fear of Public Speaking, Develop Authentic Presence and Speak from Your Heart. Today, I'm very excited and honored to speak with Sandra, who is also a renowned speaking and acting coach on the topic of fear of public speaking. Based on many years of personal and professional experience, Sandra has a very unique, empowering perspective on this fear. She has successfully coached and supported many of her clients to transform public speaking anxiety into the powerful, productive, positive state of flow. So I invite you to make yourselves comfortable have a listen and allow this conversation to transform your fear. So hello, Sandra. It's a pleasure to connect with you today. Siobhan, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for this opportunity to share some of my story and my message and, and reach more people. Thanks, Sandra. You know, I've been inspired by what I've learned about you so far. So I wonder, could we start by just telling our audience where you're joining us from today, Sandra, please? I live in Houston, Texas in USA. Fantastic. And can you just tell us a little bit about your current work? We start where we are at the moment. Yes. Well, I like to say that my work is helping people shine when they speak to groups and meetings and presentations. And that covers several sort of streams of work that include public speaking and the overcoming the fear of public speaking, as well as leadership and executive presence, voice and diction and accent reduction, uh, pronunciation of English and interview preparation, but it all sort of boils down to helping people shine when they speak. Wow, it covers quite a, an amount of different technical areas there, Sandra. Fascinating. So can you tell us a little bit about, well, not just a little bit, quite a bit, if you don't mind, about your journey to this point? Well, I think we want to talk about overcoming public speaking fear today. I think that's yeah, that's the most likely the focus. So, so I'll tell you the story of that journey. It probably began when I became an actor. So I actually got an undergraduate degree at the university in psychology and when I was finished with that, I realized that I really wanted to act. 
So I went back to the university to work on a master's in acting and directing, and I got incredible training. I was good at acting, but I wasn't great. I, I did not know how to be fully present on stage. Things would happen to me when I would become the center of attention and I would sort of disconnect from myself and, and become inauthentic. So acting was an act for me. And, you know, I did my, my move out to Hollywood and I quickly realized that I was not going to make it as a professional actor. So I did other things and I found myself moving to Northern California and then out to Maui in Hawaii. And while I was living on Maui, I got cast in a community theater production of the musical Camelot. <clears throat> I was playing the role of Morgan Le Fay and this was 1985. And my costume from Morgan Le Fay was, it was flimsy at best. It was basically a pair of tights and long yards of flowy, gauzy fabric that was all kind of artistically wrapped around me. And it was all held together by a belt that snapped at the waist. Well, on this one particular night of performance in front of almost 200 people, my belt unsnapped and my costume began to slowly unwind. And now that would normally be a horrifying and potentially humiliating experience, but that's not what happened. Instead, I entered a profoundly altered state. I felt suddenly no anxiety, no fear, no self-consciousness. I felt extreme calm and time had slowed down. So it seemed like I had plenty of time to decide what to do about my costume malfunction. I just gracefully reached down and grabbed the edges of the belt and snapped it back into place. And I continued to play the scene as though nothing had happened. But something extraordinary had happened inside my inner climate. That near costume crisis had caused me to become totally present to the moment. I felt my spirit expand to fill that entire auditorium. I felt enormous and magnificent. And it, it, my acting transformed in that moment. I acted in a way that I had never acted before. Everything was in the moment, moment to moment. I was so totally connected to myself and the source of my talent. And I was so in, in present moment so that my acting was very genuine and authentic and sublime. And even more amazing, I was at the very same time connected with my audience in some kind of spiritual way. It's like I was holding their attention magnetically and they were feeding me energy, some kind of attention. I, I remember feeling like I was bathed in love and this 
extraordinary moment of feeling at one with the audience lasted the rest of that performance and the rest of the night. And then the next morning when I woke up, it was gone. And I didn't know how to get back into that state. So I wanted to, I wanted to know what had happened to me and how I could get back there on purpose. It set me on a journey. It took three or four years. And in that time, it seems like everything that I needed to know came to me. I learned that this state had a name. It was called the flow state, that scientists were actually studying it, that athletes were, were training for it, that all kinds of performing artists experienced it. And it seemed like um, ideas for how to get into that state just sort of appeared in my mind. And, and I learned a meditation. Someone out of the blue taught me a meditation that helped get into the moment called, it's called grounding. And so four years later, it's like I woke up one day and I realized I knew how to get there and I thought that I knew how to teach it. So I began teaching it. By this time I was living back in Houston and teaching acting to adults, beginning adult acting students. So I, I started to experiment with them and it made an incredible transformation in their ability to be present in front of the class, to perform in the moment, to be authentic. And so after about a year's time of doing this, I realized, oh, there's another market. Uh, people who have to speak in public, business professionals for meetings and presentations. And so this whole thing began to, to transform into a method to help people develop a style of speaking that's very present and authentic and comfortable and confident being the center of attention so that, as I said, they can shine when they speak. And that, Siobhan, was a 30 years ago, a little over 30 years ago. And since then, I, I've facilitated hundreds of groups of what I now call the Sandra Zimmer method. And that's the story. Wow, wow. Yeah, I heard part of that story before and I have to say, I was listening to it when I was out for a walk on a, on a podcast and it literally stopped me in my tracks no. when I heard you mention that story about what happened to you um, where you were acting and you became present and in the moment. And I think the reason it connected with me so abruptly, so quickly is because I haven't had um, probably as an intense an experience. And I've still, since learned, uh, thanks to some of the information that you've sent to me that this can happen on a spectrum. But yeah. I have had a similar experience when speaking in public. So I do speak in public quite a bit, but Certainly in the earlier years, I was very conscious of trying to remember my lines yeah. and very much in my head thinking about linking what will I say next and I'd have different techniques of how I was going to do that. But I do recall on one occasion, 
And I can remember it in vivid detail because it was intense for me at the time, forgetting my lines. And I yeah. actually knew, almost knew I was going to forget them, yeah. but I forgot them. And I, at the time, I have to say, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. Something descended on me. Yeah. And just you mentioned the word calm. It was a calmness and definitely uh, an intense feeling of being at one with the audience. Yes. You know, suddenly I, I realized they weren't going to kill me. Or they weren't going to <laughs> kill me. And I just felt so connected with them. It just, it was an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I know how real and special and profound that was. Plus, I definitely had a heightened sense of my own capability in that moment. Yeah. Because yeah. what I needed to say, what I needed to do came to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. So much of what you said, it makes so much sense in terms of the flow state. For me, that this thing that you said about where something descended onto you, that that is the sense of shifting out of your head and into your body and becoming really grounded in your physical body at the center of attention. So it feels like something's descending on you, but it's actually your consciousness shifting down into your body so that you're very full body aware. And when you are fully, when you have this full body awareness, you become in the moment. Your attention, your awareness pulls from out there into here so that now you are so fully connected with yourself. You can think what you think. You can feel what you feel. You have full access to, to all of yourself. It's, um, it's a delicious experience. This is amazing. I'm so grateful that I've come across this concept again at the moment because I'm just thinking in terms of public speaking, but also in terms of teaching and education. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but certainly in Ireland at the moment, there is a much greater emphasis on mindfulness in the classroom and some meditation. And especially, I suppose, given the time we're living in with COVID-19, yeah. we're um, beginning to become more aware of children's emotional emotional wow. well-being and would you believe it just in the last few years we've begun to do a lot of grounding exercises and activities in our classroom wow you are so far ahead of the united states you know in the u.s there is an emphasis on mindfulness everybody talks about it but to my knowledge it's not being taught in the schools um, now, I don't have children, so I could be wrong about this, but I am not aware of it being a regular curriculum um, in the schools. And, and what is mindfulness, but being aware of everything that's happening in the moment, mm. which, you know, your five senses. And to me, the magic of getting in touch with your five senses is it also brings in awareness of your spirit, your soul. Yeah. When, when you are connected all the way into your physical body and in this moment, 
it's like consciousness expands. You have higher consciousness that comes in and, and then there's a wholeness that people experience, which is incredibly empowering. You begin to know who you are and what you're capable of. And I'm, I imagine, Sandra, there's more um, of a possibility then of fulfilling your potential. Exactly. Um, for yourself. Exactly. And, and I would say I have had uh, a few kind of um, flow experiences as well in the classroom. And this is where I think this might be applicable to teachers is because I can honestly say I've taught lessons for days on end without being present. Yeah. And then when I have had the experience of, for whatever reason, becoming present, those lessons are just out of this world. <laughs> they, okay. yeah. they really connect with the students more because the students are my audience. Yeah, they are. At those times. So and they respond to that. They've got to respond to that. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives you the power, like you, you mentioned there about um, being more connected to your audience, it really gives the teacher the power then to be more aware of what's going on for individual students. Yes. What they might be struggling with, what, what they might be catching easily. Um, it definitely seems like a very powerful state to be in. Oh, this is fantastic, Siobhan. So in my experience of being in flow at the center of attention, what happens is that the connection with all the people in the audience becomes really heightened. So you can see what's going on with people. It, it, you begin to be able to read them not because you're trying to read them or trying to control them, but because in that state, you see so much. You see the field. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to tune into who's paying attention, who's in some kind of stress, mm -hmm. um, who's reacting negatively even, and that's okay too. That, the amazing thing to me is that it allows you to accept the audience as they are, mm. see what's going on with them. And then I, I would imagine then if you're teaching children that you can then use that information to help them um, in sure. whatever way you, th you see is possible. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's, there's probably an opportunity there to explore this a lot more. It sounds like it. Research it, I think, in, in, in with regard to school. But just going back, uh, Sandra, now, I suppose, specifically to the fear of public speaking. Um, you probably know, I'm sure, that it's well reported that it is the number one fear amongst adults worldwide. And, and some people say that it's second only to death. And Jerry Seinfeld famously said that most people would prefer to be in the coffin than delivering the eulogy. So you probably heard that. I have. Do you think that the fear of public speaking is really as pervasive as reported? And what is your take on this fear of public speaking? I do think it is. The statistic that I have read is that 
74% of the adult working population experience some degree of stage fright, public speaking fear, public speaking anxiety. If that's true, then it's a fairly normal thing. It, it, more of us experience it than don't. The problem, I think, is that we, have, we haven't normalized it. We need to normalize public speaking fear and use it as a springboard for being authentic. Because in my research, in my 30 plus years of working with this, I've discovered that, that the key to unlocking stage fright is authenticity. If a speaker, a presenter, a teacher can be authentic enough to say, oh, I feel nervous. I want to do a good job for you. It unlocks the contraction that's happening in the body and it frees that energy to flow. So my work has really largely been about freeing people to be comfortable being who they are in front of groups, in front of audiences, whether that's, you know, an audience like a, a, a boss or a team or um, a large presentation, you know, wherever there's an audience of listeners, the more that we can learn to be who we are and be comfortable being who we are, the freer we are to access our brilliance, access what is unique and valuable, what our gift is to give to the world. Did that answer your question? <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's so powerful, though, because in my experience, people I would have met and myself over the years, um, I would have always thought that my fear of public speaking and their fear of public speaking would come from that fear of being yourself, really. Yeah. And um, a lot of self-doubt around, well, who would want to listen to me anyway? What what do I have to say that's of value? Yeah. Um, so what you say there is very clear and it's very powerful that the key to unlocking it is authenticity, to be mm -hmm. yourself. And that sounds simple, but I'm sure it's not. No, it's probably not. Although I think I have, I think I've created a set of steps that makes it feel pretty comfortable, pretty easy and pretty simple. There was something I wanted to back up and say, uh, you know, I think that most people think that fear of public speaking is about speaking. They're afraid of speaking, but I don't think that's the real issue. I think the real issue is not being comfortable to be who you are at the center of attention. That's it. Not, you know, uh, not feeling safe to be who you are when you are the center of attention of other human beings. That, I believe, is the real issue. And if we can get people comfortable being who they are, they automatically become good speakers. Because most people know what they have to say. Most people who have something to say know what it is. You know, if that's a subject matter expert, a teacher in an area, 
whoever. That's so, that's so interesting because, and it's so true. I love, I love what you've just said there because I'm thinking again, even in the classroom context, I know that all of my students have plenty to say and have yes. no problem speaking. Yes. But then when you begin to shine a light on them yes. or put them or entice them, encourage them into the center of attention, there's some that will still thrive, but there's many that won't. They just lock up. They they freeze up. Exactly, exactly. So Sandra, you mentioned there that you've come up with a, a, some a strategy to mm -hmm. deal with that, to support that. And I presume, are you talking about the Sandra Zimmer uh, method? I am. That's what I call it now. Um, someone who is a marketing person suggested that I that I give it my name and a method. It's been called many things over the years, including speaking from the heart, I love um, which, which is really what it's about. The Sandra Zimmer method is my strategy to guide people through a set of steps or modules that little by little gets them comfortable being who they are in front of groups and then making real connection and, and thinking on their feet and telling stories and, and then crafting messages. Um, would it be helpful if I kind of took you through those steps? Oh, definitely. I'd love to, I'd love to hear about them. I've heard about them before and I know that this is a, a world famous method and certainly I'm sure it'd be very helpful for um, other people involved in public speaking, but also <laughs> I really think it would have a lot of value too for teachers or anybody who's trying to support their students mm -hmm. with that fear of public speaking. So I'd be very grateful if you would share the steps with us. Yes, you're convincing me today that, <laughs> that your this heart. is something that needs to be offered specifically to teachers. I honestly had not thought about that. Mm -hmm. So the, the first step in my method is what I call put energy down which is grounding. And I teach a specific sort of mind body exercise or meditation that puts attention through the whole body and allows you to drop into your physical body at the center of attention. And that's important because it changes your psychology. You stop worrying about what they're thinking about you and you start to feel really comfortable in yourself so you can focus on well, what am I thinking and what am I feeling and what do I want to say? So the first step is putting energy down, which has to do with grounding. The second step is um, turning attention in, focusing attention into what's happening when you become the center of attention, what gets stirred up, what thoughts, feelings, sensations, tensions get triggered inside when now when all of these people are looking at you. And instead of covering that up or pretending it's not there, we take a dive down into it and I ask people to express it, which is the third step really, is to learn to say, oh, my heart's pounding or my knees are shaking or I feel a little choked or my chest is tight or my head is just running all of these thoughts, like what are they thinking about me? Whatever gets stirred up, 
we we pay attention to and then we express it and expression is important the word express means to press out when you express it you release the contraction out of the body and the energy that's that's being held starts to go into flow you start to feel flow inside so all of that has to happen inside and and then the external of course verbalization the next step is to do what i call receive the flow of attention from people in the group i i teach people how to use a soft eye contact to land their attention on one person at a time and not to reach out to them but to simply take their attention in as support and it it's kind of magical what happens people start to create this sense of we are here together instead of i'm up here alone talking at you which now now the person at that fourth step starts to feel really comfortable in their skin at the center of attention they're starting to feel some of that flow and they're in connection and so the last step is to say what you want to talk about and that could be as simple as what i want to say is or i'd like to talk about but then i also have a set of other steps that teach people to tell a story create an impact statement and then add the ideas and the insights that they want to share so that they craft a message and that is the sandra zimmer method it it connects people to themselves to the the sense of their authentic self at the center of attention and frees them so that they can speak and then and then gives them a sort of a a structure to speak from and i've learned that when people have a little structure speech will flow yeah a lot of flow happens yeah so that makes so much sense sandra and as you were speaking there you know i've been aware in my own speaking journey in my own teaching journey people would often say to me about you know being um in the moment uh just trying to be comfortable with the audience I would have been told explicitly the audience are not there to get you they're there to support you but i do think there is a huge difference between being told these things right knowing them on a cognitive level and right. just being able to put them into action right. and in order to put them into action and we teachers absolutely love three-step programs step programs <laughs> You know, just tell us what can I do next, and then what do I do, and next baby steps. Hmm. Because this is such a a potentially traumatic thing, this fear of public speaking. It just made sense to me that if I could break it down into baby steps and get people, you know, one little step at a time, that I would end up with with speakers who would really shine, and and that is truly what has happened i i would say the first 10 years i was doing it i was proving my intuitive 
sense, you know, because this was very intuitive. I didn't, there was no training for this. But the first 10 years, I would say I, I was proving, okay, this, this actually works. Mm. And then the second 10 years, I was figuring out how to write about it, how to put it in a book mm. and to really codify it as a simple system, because I had to keep stripping away stuff that was too complex or too heady or too psychological, mm. um, had too much theory and make it really practical. So people were just experiencing it. And then this last 10 years has been, you know, just my attempt to share it more and more with the world. I'm aware that some teachers themselves may have a fear of public speaking. And on top of that, they may not have received training in public speaking <laughs> or training in how to train others in public speaking, but yet they know the importance of it for their students. Do you think that they can still facilitate public speaking training for their students? I do. I totally think they can. If they can make it safe for kids to be who they are, that really is the secret to supporting people to develop public speaking skills is to make it safe to say what they are thinking and what they are feeling. Both of those things have to be facilitated. And usually it's the feeling first. Like if a teacher can facilitate a child to say, Ooh, I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling uncomfortable. And I, I don't know if that's fully possible, but, but if a teacher can do that, then that teacher can facilitate kids to open up and be wonderful at speaking. That's, that's really interesting and fascinating because with the program that I've developed, um, one, of my, one of the first things I advise teachers to focus on is setting up the environment setting up the safe supportive environment mm -hmm. in which the public speaking is going to happen so i'm very interested to hear you there mention about safety yes it sounds like you and i think along the same lines <laughs> I, i've heard you um, also say sandra in another interview how you think that people who initially have the greatest fear of public speaking can sometimes become the best speakers. Yes. I'd love if you could um, just explore that a little bit more first. Yes. yes. I, I, I often start by telling people, if you have a lot of public speaking fear and anxiety, you have the potential to become a star at speaking. And that's because people with a lot of stage fright tension have a lot of feeling. When you think about it, there's a lot of feeling, emotion, energy stirred up in the body. It's right up to the surface. You can't ignore it. And if you can learn to tap into that, then you can actually use that energy to speak from flow. And, and that's really what I've not attempted. That's what I've done is is learned how to teach people to tap into that energy. And it goes back to 
being willing to be authentic, which goes against traditional public speaking methods. At least in the US, traditional public speaking methods are still very much, you, you give a talk and you get up there and I as the public speaking teacher will tell you what's wrong with it to, so that you can get better. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't work for me. It didn't work for me as an actor. Mm. And it, it didn't work for me as a speaker. Um, I sort of have lost the thread. What You were asking me about the fact that people who have the fear of public speaking have the potential to be stars. Exactly, exactly. It's because public speaking anxiety is not something that's wrong with you. It's something that's really right with you, which is you are highly sensitive. You have a lot of emotion, a lot of sensitivity, a lot of passion, and it's up to the surface, which means there's so much potential for you to really speak from passion. That's so powerful, Sandra. I imagine that there'd be people listening to this podcast who are very touched by that, it's almost bringing a tear to my own eye because I know the level of fear I've felt myself over the years. And for somebody to say that that's not something that's wrong with you, but something that's right, that's just so powerful and touching. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I think one thing that connected me to you very much when I was reading your book, I haven't completed yet, but I've read quite a bit of it, was I was very taken aback to read that you yourself were very shy as a Ex child. Extraordinarily shy. I was really terrified of people and terrified to be the center of attention. That's so, so weird about my journey. <laughs> Public speaking was the last thing I ever thought that I could do, much less teach it to people. Yeah. Because I was so afraid to be the center of attention even when I knew the answer, like I was one of those children that you can see in your classrooms that you know they know the answer, but they can't say it because they can't risk being the center of attention. They can't risk making a mistake. And, and despite all that, I was really attracted to acting. And maybe, you know, I don't really know what that was, yeah. but I was so attracted to acting um, by the time I was a junior in high school. Um, and even though I was terrified, I loved it. Yeah, I, I was a very shy child myself. And I would say I'm still a shy adult. And I've spoken to teachers who would often say, you know, I really do want to do more public speaking with my students. But I am concerned about the student who's very shy, yes. who's reluctant to speak, you know, how can I approach that? And I'm thinking that your method, that's where your method again could have, could have um, at least be support for mm -hmm. teachers interested in that. But I think an important thing to note, um, just in terms of what you have now given the world with your Sandra Zimmer method and everything else that you offer, um, imagine if you had never taken the opportunity to speak. Yeah. What would have been lost? What would have been lost? I think about that a lot. Mm. 
I, it's, it, it's a driver for me to keep going. Yeah. Um, not only because I really know how to do this, but because so many people in the world are talented, gifted, intelligent, smart. They have solutions, but they don't feel safe and comfortable to speak up about it, to share it. And that means the world loses some of that, some of those solutions, some of that gift. Yeah, yeah. And I, I often think as well, you know, knowing that I am a shy person, there is that part of me that also wants to scream out, but just because I'm shy doesn't mean I don't have something to say. I have something to say. I have lots of ideas. I probably spend longer than some people thinking about those ideas because, I, because I'm not talking. Yeah. Um, and therefore, you know, I suspect that there are many, many, many shy people out there who haven't yet had a chance to develop their voice, perhaps, yeah. or be heard that could, as you yeah. say, come up with some of those groundbreaking solutions to our problems that we so desperately need. One of the questions that you sent me that I would love to uh, respond to is, are there people in the world who are really talented, who are big stars in the world, who have public speaking and, and stage fright, anxiety, and and there are. In the United States, some of our initial statesmen were terrified of public speaking. Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, were, he was really scared of public speaking. He had his little um, notes in his stovepipe hat when he did the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> but there've also been, um, singers like Adele, Beyonce, Barbara Streisand, whom I think was one of the century's most exquisite pop singers ever to live on the planet. She did not uh, sing live for 30 years. She only sang in a recording studio because she was, had so much stage fright. I mean, these are big stars. Harrison Ford, um, Laurence Olivier Whoa. had tremendous stage fright. And I actually have a list of them because there are so many people, people we know now like Lady Gaga, Mark Twain, Luciano Pavarotti, Warren Buffett. You mentioned to me earlier Joel Osteen. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, he's from my hometown. Mahatma Gandhi wow. was very uncomfortable speaking to groups. So I, I think my message is that that you don't have to allow this fear to hold you back, mm -hmm. that you have the potential to be a star. If you've got a lot of it, you probably have a lot to say, 
you probably have a lot of talent that you could be, you know, sharing with the world. I think this will offer a lot of hope and inspiration to a lot of listeners. So I don't, but to my knowledge, public speaking is not something that is taught to children in the U.S. I think so often that it should be. I, I don't know how to use my system to do that. Mm. I think because my system requires internal awareness and expression of emotional intensity, I don't know if it's right for young children, mm. but teens, I would think yes, and definitely college students. Mm. There, there may be, it may be that what needs to happen is that someone like you or, you know, other people in the world need to learn my method and then take it forward, take it, adapt it in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I was very interested, um, Sandra, you shared with me the link um, and the reference to Stephen Kotler's book, yeah. The Rise of Superman. And yes. that was in relation to the concept of flow. So I yes. did listen to a talk. His Google talk. His Google talk that he gave with Jamie Wheel, I think. Yes. And actually there was part of it when I was listening to them and I began to think, you know, I think I've seen children in this state. So I was yes. applying it to my own work. And then in my head, question was forming, but is this maybe the state that many children are in when they're playing? When they're maybe it's maybe it's where they live until we kick them out of it. Yeah, yeah, I thought, and and it was interesting as that thought came into my head. Um, Jamie Wheel did mention that it's something that the Montessori style of teaching. Ah, I don't, I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I was amazed and I thought because Montessori would be very much about mm -hmm. play and experiential and all of that. So I definitely think, like you say, it would be, um, it's worth maybe noting that this might be something that could be researched further and mm -hmm. adapted, mm -hmm. adapted, um, taking everything else into consideration. So, um, yeah, so you mentioned there about Joel Osteen. Yeah. And do you know him or have you met him or I have I have not. Mm. I pass his church often. It used to be the the Houston Rockets basketball stadium. But I've heard him tell his story and I I, I reference him a lot because I think he's such a great example of using stories and being authentic when you speak. He'll yeah. get touched and he'll just sob when he's when he's preaching and 16,000 people in the stadium go wild because he's being so real. I've heard him tell his story about, you know, he, he was the guy behind the camera. He learned all about television production and making his father look good in front of TV. And then when his father died, um, he realized that he had to step up and he had been so terrified. I don't know the story of how he overcame it. I don't know if he had a coach or coaches or, or if he just trusted God mm -hmm. <laughs> to, 
to get him through it. But it's another example of how millions of people would have missed out on his influence. If, yeah. So um, you, you may have answered this, Sandra, already, but I am curious, just in case, what would you think is the greatest tragedy of the fear of public speaking? Yeah, I think I, I, think I have said it. Mm. Just to reiterate, the greatest tragedy of the fear of public speaking not being addressed is that a large percentage of the population have some kind of gift or talent or expertise to share and they it is being held back mm -hmm. they are being held back and sandra i i always ask everybody i speak to what was your experience of school yourself primary school and secondary school were you encouraged to speak up were you not really no i was so shy i i was a good student so you know i was an a b student but i was you know it was all very quiet um and i was a z so i was always at the back of the class <laughs> because they were students were seated alphabetically um there was something actually in your book and I, I took note of it because it, it touched me as well. And I think it, it touched me as a teacher. When I read it, it actually brought a tear. Um, yeah, here it is, I've taken notes. On page seven, you said, my talent needed nurturing, but no teacher had been able or willing to affirm my abilities or help me make the connection to my own gift. So I quit acting. Just like that, I gave up. Oh, when I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder, have there been many students in my classroom mm -hmm. who have had that experience because I haven't been able to tap into mm -hmm. their gift, their talent, their mm -hmm. uniqueness. I found that really touching. That to me is the the importance and the thrill of teaching, whether you're teaching children or adults, that ability to see who people are and support that, that is, that is such a foundational principle in my methodology, mm. is to do the best I can to see who people are see what their unique gifts are and and give voice to that and support them so that they feel start to feel a sense of confidence in themselves that is truly what i love to do i'm really hopeful that education is moving a little in that direction in that direction i think it's a long journey but I think we're faced in the right direction anyway. Um, and so Sandra, what is your favorite quotation? <laughs> well, I, I printed it out because I knew you were going to ask <laughs> and I don't want to misquote. This was Buckminster Fuller, <clears throat> who was a kind of a philosopher. He said, everyone has the perfect gift to give the world. 
And if each of us is freed up to give our unique gift, the world will be in total harmony. That's beautiful. I think that ties almost everything that we were talking about together, full circle. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, Sandra, can you tell the audience just a little bit more now about the types of courses that you presently offer? And I think this is where um, with, with technology and yeah. our, our greater awareness of technology over the last year, your courses are available to, to people across the world now. I know, it's so exciting. And I, I'm, I'm a late pivoter, I have to say, but I am finally making that, that COVID-19 pivot to offering my Sandra Zimmer method in a virtual as well as an online version. So, uh, so I do live classes in my center, the Self-Expression Center in Houston, Texas, but obviously not very many people can come and do that. So I've started doing a virtual course. It's, it's virtually the same course. It's just done in a small group um, via Zoom is really the main platform I'm using. And then I also have a, an online video and workbook version, which I spent about five years working on with a partner who helped me tr translate it down into 21 videos. They're short videos and then there's workbook exercises so that people can, um, can do it on their own. It's certainly easier to do it in a group, but, um, but I've done the best I can to create a program so that they can actually do it inexpensively on their own and, and in whatever um, arenas they are participating in. And I imagine if it supports people to get into the flow, that it will be, the potential will be huge for individuals. And, I hope so. And Sandra, then you, your book is available. Um, I know I got it myself on Amazon, Your Time to Shine, and mm -hmm. I'd highly recommend it. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you so much. Oh, no, you're very welcome. I've, it definitely gives, um, provides a, a different type of perspective on public speaking. And it's very easy to read um, a lot in it to, to digest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, Sandra, then how can people get in contact with you or find out more? Mm -hmm. Two, there are two places. One is my, my current website, which is self-expression.com. Also, that is going to become sandrazimmer.com within the next uh, couple of months. And so that's, you know, that's where you can really find out and get in touch with me. And if you're interested in the online video version, that is actually sandrazimmermethod.com. But it's not hard to Google Sandra Zimmer and, and find all the resources. Super, Sandra. And um, just so in conclusion, then we're kind of coming to the end. Um, 
what would you say is the most important message you'd like to share with the listeners now following our discussion? Well, I, I think it's still the idea that if you have stage fright, public speaking fear, public speaking anxiety, that you really have the potential to be brilliant at speaking. And the caveat is that you have to become willing to be authentic. If you want to continue to create a kind of illusion of perfection and have a perfect performance, that will that will impair your ability to, to really speak brilliantly and from flow. But if you can allow yourself permission to be who you really are and speak from that, you will set the world on fire with what you have to say. Fantastic. And Sandra, one final very important question. Have you ever been to Ireland? No, but I would love to. <laughs> well you know hopefully hopefully um things are starting to look up a little bit i think i'm the eternal optimist with with is ireland open for for travel no not really not really um um we are just coming out of lockdown and we still have quite strict restrictions at the moment so i don't think there's going to be much international travel for the rest of the year but hopefully after that, we're still in the vaccination process, mm -hmm. um, but hopefully, yeah. so hopefully we might get to meet in person someday. I hope so. I would love to come to Ireland and meet you and, yeah. and teach you the Sandra Zimmer method and see that, what happens. That would be amazing. Well, I'll definitely be following you um, online and putting as much of your method in into practice as possible. Sandra, just before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to add that you haven't had a chance to mention or? I, I don't think so, other than to say thank you again for this opportunity. It has been such a pleasure to meet you. I'm, I have the sense that you and I have a similar way of thinking about teaching and speaking. And so I hope that we'll continue to stay in touch and, and most maybe definitely. become lifelong friends. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely have that feeling myself when I'm reading your book and listening to your videos. So thank you very much, Sandra. And I'm going to just sign off there. Have a lovely day in Texas. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Please do feel free to share it with friends, family, colleagues, anybody you think will enjoy it and take something from it. You never know the transformative difference it might make. The Let's Stand programme trains young people from ages 5 to 18 in the skills of public speaking. If you'd like to find out more, check out www.letstand.ie or email Let's stand speak out at gmail.com. Until next time, think about what is your story?
Thank you for listening. Let's stand speaking up about speaking out. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to